I love my bell choir. I like it because they incorporate the young and the old. Now, I'm not going to tell you which one's young and which one's old because I want to live beyond this day, but it's just a thrill to be able to see, to take people from different walks of life and to put them together and have them play beautiful music. Someday in heaven, I'll do that myself. North Carolina is in a predicament this week. They have so many people on unemployment, they ran out of money to be able to pay them. And they have to borrow money, and the banks don't want to lend it to them because they don't know if they can get it back. We're finding this is going to be true even more and more today as we continue on with this very trying time in Earth's history. Last week I spoke with three different individuals, two of them which are losing their homes and one lost his job. I anticipate more to come in the next few weeks, that things will get worse instead of better. I know they're in the process of trying to pass this stimulus bill and everything else, Somewhere along the line, someone's got to pay this trillion dollars back, and then it's probably going to go even farther than just one trillion. It's probably going to go two or three more trillion before we see an end. I believe that all that's happening around us is forcing people to begin to make major decisions within their lives. Sometimes these decisions are decisions on whether to follow God or whether to follow the devil. So today we're going to look at one of those issues that I believe is going to come up, that the Bible talks about, that's going to happen before Jesus comes. If you take your Bibles and turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation that was written for God's people living before Jesus comes, I think that includes us. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Something very familiar because we often in our denomination talk about this as the first angel of the three angels' message that's going to be delivered to the world before Jesus comes. But I want to look at the first angel's message in Revelation 14, beginning with verse 6, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made the heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water." This heavenly message is going to go forth, says that it's going to go to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Who does that include? That's the whole world. This is a very important message. It's a universal message. It's a message to call everyone to worship the creator who made the heaven, earth, sea, and the springs of water. I would consider this probably one of the main issues in the book of Revelation. Who are we going to worship? 
Did you know that there are two reasons why we worship God? Take a look. You're in Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We'll look at the first reason why we worship God. Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Talks about up in heaven, and it says the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the first reason why we worship God is because he is the creator. Worship is tended to go to God, not to man. When we come together to worship, we are to worship the creator. We're not here to worship man with entertainment. So we are worshiping our creator the God who created everything. That's the first thing. Now go to Revelation 5, verse 9, verse 12, and verse 14. Revelation 5, verse 9. They sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse, verse 10, I forgot to read verse 4, didn't I? So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. And here's the reason why. When we look down at verse 9, verse 10, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Now verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and elders, and the number of them were ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Who is this that they're worshiping? It's Jesus. And why is he worthy of worship? Because he has redeemed us. He has saved us. He is our Savior. So we worship God for two reasons. We come together because he's the creator and because he has redeemed us. Now Satan understands that and he's going to try to do everything to undermine those two reasons so that we won't render the worship to God that is due him. Because remember, Satan wants us to worship him, not to worship God. So it's going to be a big issue. So why do I want to look this morning at worship when we're all sitting here in church worshiping together? doesn't seem to make sense. But I'm doing this because of what Jesus gave to John on that island of Patmos that he wrote down in the book of Revelation for the people living in the end times. You see, in the book of Revelation... The word worship occurs 24 times. Evidently, worship is going to be a huge factor at the end of this world before Jesus comes. 
It must be so important that Jesus keeps telling John, worship, 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 24 times. And then it's in his main message that's going out to the entire world to come and to worship the Creator. So it must be very, very important. And this is given not only to the whole world, but that also includes as being given to us because evidently something about worship is going to happen that the devil is going to use to try to get us away from worshiping God and over to worshiping him. The word worship is a contraction of two words that have been put together. Worth means a value that is placed on something. And then ship is a large vessel. Whatever you place a large value on is what you worship. So now I've got to stop and ask you a question. I want you to think over the past week, just the last week, what did you talk about the most in this past week? What preoccupied your mind this past week? Was it your work? Was it your car, your family, food, sports, television? What? preoccupied most of your time of you thinking about day and night and, and uh, uh, you couldn't just get it out of your mind or you talked about it or you shared with someone. What was that? Because whatever is preoccupying your time is what you value the most in this past week. It is what you are concentrating on. It is what you are worshiping. And if God has very little time in your conversation and in your thoughts, then maybe you're not worshiping God. Shouldn't we worship God every day? In everything that we say and everything that we do should be all to the glory of God. To pay worship to someone or something, they must have some kind of authority within our lives that's preoccupying our time. Did you know that there are two claims of authority over mankind? Take a look at this one. Take a look at Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Beginning with verse 33, 33 to 36. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 33. Now in the synagogue, what's the synagogue? Okay, look what happens in this church. In the church, there was a man who had a spirit of what? Unclean demon. Can you imagine that? He's sitting in church with the church members. They're all around him. I don't think they knew that he had an unclean spirit. He's sitting in the church around all of God's people, and he had this unclean demon in him, and he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, 
Jesus of Nazareth. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not harm him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out of him. Jesus has great authority even over the devil himself. And the devil knows that. He has this authority because he is our creator and our redeemer. John 1 tells us that everything that was made was created by Jesus. So the unclean spirits recognize his authority and they are willing to be cast out by him. They have no power over him. But do you know that Satan also demands authority over mankind? Has he redeemed anyone? No. Did he create anything? Oh, now wait a minute. In the book of Revelation, he creates a church that the world looks for for advice. Go to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Start with verse 1. Revelation 13, verse 1, verse 3, and verse 8. And I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Okay, now go to verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled. And what did it do? It followed the beast. Okay? Now, let's go to verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Who's that? The beast. Whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This beast, this church, we talked about it a few weeks ago. If anyone is unclear what it is, instead of me taking the time to explain to it to, today, ask one of the guys upstairs and he'll give you a CD of uh, looking at this Antichrist beast. But this Antichrist beast that comes up has the whole world following after it. The majority of the world will follow and worship this church which is set up by Satan. And when they're worshiping this church, they're also worshiping Satan because he's got his power. By what authority do they make such a claim on the people of the world that they have the power to be able to allow the rest of the world to follow them? Their authority does not come from the Word of God. It doesn't come from the Lamb slain for the foundation of the world, which is Jesus. Listen to what it says in the book, Canon and Tradition, page 263. Listen to this. The authority of the church could not, therefore, be bound to the, the authority of the Scriptures. 
because the church had changed the Sabbath to Sunday, not by the command of Christ, but by its own authority. Satan created a church, and the church acknowledges that it has authority above Jesus. Not because of what the Bible says, but because of what they have done. They have changed the biblical day of worship, the Sabbath, to Sunday. How do I know what day is the Sabbath? Okay, let's stop and ask ourselves the question. When Jesus died on the cross, what is it that we call that day when it comes around each time? Friday, Good Friday. I don't know what's good about it. He died. It's also the preparation day is what the Bible calls it, okay? Then it says that the ladies, uh, Carol read it, the ladies went to the to prepare the body, you know, and it was the Sabbath was coming on. So the next day, after Good Friday, is the Sabbath. And then they rested on the Sabbath day. And then they came on the first day of the week to the tomb and found it empty. What day do we normally call that? Sunday. Easter Sunday. So what day is the Sabbath? Saturday. Okay, you can't get any clearer than that. But the, Satan's church says, I, we have the authority above Jesus Christ because we have taken the Sabbath that Jesus has commanded to keep and we've changed it to Sunday. Not because Jesus said it, not because He's our Redeemer, not because He's our Creator, but because we've got the power and the authority above Him. That is the authority of the devil over mankind. So who are we going to believe? Who are we going to believe? Go to Exodus chapter 20. Here is written by God's own finger on the blue stone we talked about. What we call the Ten Commandments. And let's look at the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, beginning with verse 8. The very first word is what? Remember. And we know that it, God put that in there. All the others are thou shall not. But here this one says remember because God knows we're going to forget, especially at the end of this world. Remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is what day? Saturday, to do what? Keep it holy. This day is the only day that God has blessed and sanctified. It is a holy day. So we have to keep it holy. Now, here's how you keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of whom? The Lord your God. In it you shall do no what? Work. Okay? Now... Continue on. Not only you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant. What's a male servant? Person that works for you. Nor your female servant. I guess it includes both of them. Nor your cattle. Nor your stranger who's within your gates. Why? Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, 
the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Why do I keep the Sabbath day? Because God is my creator. And he says to remember it. It is a holy day. It is a day set aside not to work on the Sabbath day because of the authority of the Creator who has blessed that day and made it special and, and wants us to come together to be able to worship Him. Nothing, nothing is to hinder us from our worship with our Creator. Is that right? But what if I lose my job and I can't feed my family and all of a sudden a job comes up and says, look, what we want you to do, we want you to work for a while just maybe two or three hours on the Sabbath. But God wants me to feed my family, doesn't He? Brothers and sisters, it takes faith in God to supply all my needs, even on the Sabbath day. That means... That if I'm to keep that day holy, I'm to keep that full time sacred. When does the Sabbath start? Sundown in Genesis. They didn't have watches back then. No such thing as going from midnight to midnight. When the sun went down on Friday evening, it was the end of Friday, and it starts the Sabbath. And it continues on until Saturday evening when the sun goes down. So you don't have to have a watch to know when is sundown, when the day starts and when the day ends. You just got to remember what day of the week it is. Sometimes I have problems with that myself. But there's that day. But here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm, 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 I'm watching as, as our church is developing, as, as our families are dealing with the Sabbath in this day and age. Most of our young people have no recognition of the sacredness of the Sabbath hours. Mainly because most of their parents have not taught them, nor do they lead them into knowing what the Sabbath hours are. We think that the Sabbath hours are from 9.30 when I come into Sabbath school until noon and hope the preacher gets finished by noon. That's not the Sabbath hours. The Sabbath hours are 24 hours that are sacred. God says don't do any work. We're even to stop doing our delight on the Sabbath. This is, this is God's day. It's sacred. It's like the tithe. God says you can have 90% of what you keep. Just give 10% back to me. That's sacred money. This is sacred time. You can do everything that you want to in, in those other six days. As you work, you can work 24 hours a day if you want to. But when it comes to the Sabbath, we're to set it aside. Why? Because He's my Creator and my Redeemer. I am to come here and to, to be with Him. But people are, are not keeping the Sabbath day as a holy day. There are many people who still crank on their TV like they do every day of the week to be able to watch it on the Sabbath day. Well, if you do that, you're 
Your worship is the television, not God. There are many people who, who will come to church and then all of a sudden they say, you know, I think I'll go down to Kmart. See what they've got on the blue light special. Not only are we not supposed to work, we're not supposed to be responsible for making other people work. Some people say, what about going out to eat? I'll tell you what, my wife and I, we prepare our meals before the Sabbath. But even if I'm traveling, let's say I'm on vacation and I'm traveling, I e we either go out and, and buy something. If we're in a motel room, we buy something to eat in a motel room or we do not eat. We fast on that day until the Sabbath's over with. I'm not going to go out and to pay money and to make someone else work for me. I'm not their God. It's getting silent in here. There's something that the devil is sneaking into our church, and that's to disregard the Sabbath hours. And we're teaching our kids to do the same. By example. By example. The problem is that it's not only just the people, but we're beginning to see it even in the pastors in our denomination that are doing things on the Sabbath day that is just unbelievable. It's not focusing on God, it's focusing on other things. Let's go out and have fun. I like to have fun. But I tell you, I have a lot of fun on the Sabbath day as well too. And I get a lot of enjoyment when I can see somebody brighten up when I come to visit them that maybe has been sick, been sick for a long time. I, I get a lot of enjoyment in taking these young people and taking them out into nature and to say, you know, God created this beautiful flower and to look at it and watch these kids smile as they see and witness these things that God has created. I, there's a lot of fun in the Sabbath day, but you've got to look for it. And plan for it. Our Creator knows what's best for us. And He's created the Sabbath day and I need to trust Him. Do you know that Jesus, our Redeemer, lays claim to the Sabbath? Take a look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. In verse 8. Matthew 12 and verse 8. Look what Jesus says. For the Son of Man, who's that? That's Jesus. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus claims the Sabbath for himself. So what gives him that authority to be able to do that? Go to Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 20, and we want to look at verse 12 and then verse 20. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12. 
Ezekiel 20, verse 12. This is God speaking to his prophet Ezekiel, and he says, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths, to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Verse 20. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. You see where it says the word sign? In the Hebrew, it also means the word mark. Have you heard of the mark of the beast? Here is the mark of God, his Sabbath. It is going to be extremely important before Jesus comes because the world is going to follow after the one who says that their authority is above the Bible and above Jesus because they've changed the sacredness from Saturday, the Sabbath, to Sunday. The word sanctified means to set aside for holy use by the authority of Jesus. He has redeemed us from a sinful, godless life and he begins the process of change within us, which is called sanctification. He sanctified the Sabbath, sanctification, so that we could be of holy use. Ask yourself, am I living up to the holy use God has sanctified me for? Am I using, everyone gives a talent, they're given a, a position in God's kingdom, being led, a gift by God's Holy Spirit to do something for Him. Am I using God's given gift for Him? I mean, it isn't just to come on the Sabbath day just to sing the songs and to pray the prayers and to give the money and the offering plate. Am I using the gift that He has given me? Have I discovered the gift He has given me? And am I using it to glorify Him? Do I learn, I need to come to the Sabbath to learn more about Him, to learn what is missing in my life, to learn to trust Him, and to begin to learn and to use my gift on the Sabbath day. Not only on the Sabbath day, but especially on the Sabbath day, but the rest of the week as well too. Am I using my potential that God has given to me or do I just sit on the pew waiting for the pastor to do it all? Now quit the snickering going on out there. Because it's a legitimate question. Because God wants us to work together like the body parts work together. Am I doing my part in God's church?
And am I doing it for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons? We were really, my wife and I were really strict on the cleaning crew that was here. We we let them go. Because they couldn't figure out why we wanted this place so clean. Do you know why we wanted this place clean? Because a clean place glorifies our God. So in the little things that we do, I need to ask myself, am I glorifying God or am I not? Because all my actions and all the things that I do either glorify God or it doesn't. So what difference does it make if I work an hour on the Sabbath day? What difference does it make if I go to Kmart and and buy something for the church? What difference does it make? Because I am witnessing to those that are on the outside who I really worship. I am a living evidence of whether God is in my life and I take Him seriously or whether I don't. And you better believe that they're watching. We were out walking and coming. We've been walking here lately to quite a bit here this past few months coming to church. It's five miles from our house to the church. Ten miles round trip. Let me see you walk ten miles. We were walking to the church and there was a lady standing out there in in Sun Lakes and uh, she started a conversation with us. And she says, oh, by the way, I've been watching the two of you walking by our house for quite some time. Don't think that they don't watch. Where are you going? What are you doing? It's a time for witness. My God is worthy enough to get me up off of my chair and to walk five miles to work for him. It's a witness to other people to be able to share. So the sacred hours are very important. People, the neighbors are watching us when we drive in. The neighbors are are curious. They may not come right out and ask, but they know more that goes on around here than probably what you do because you can't find your bulletin. The Sabbath is a holy instrument to show our loyalty to God. It's a day to teach us our spiritual potential. It's a day to reveal to us the changes that we have to make in our lives. It's a day to practice our God-given talents. It is a day, God's holy day, it is when Christ can teach us about what needs to be changed in our life to reflect His holy character. Do you remember the last couple of sermons on the commandments of God? And we also said that the commandments reveal the character of God. It helps us to reveal the character of God to other people. Did Jesus keep the Sabbath day? The Bible says, as it was his tradition, he went to the church. It's a part of his character to worship 
God every Sabbath. Did Satan try to entice Jesus to worship him instead? Oh, go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. This is right after the baptism of Jesus. If you think that if you're going to be baptized in Jesus and the devil doesn't, isn't going to bother you anymore, you better look out because Jesus was baptized and took a look what happened here. Matthew chapter 3 and beginning with verse 8. Chapter 4, you're right. Chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him up an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, to Jesus, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and do what? Worship me. And look what Jesus did. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written. Look at the authority that he's used. He uses scripture. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And then the devil flew away because he just couldn't take it any longer. He knew the authority that was there. Brothers and sisters, this is the place to learn Scripture. This is where we should be memorizing our memory verses. Our children should be memorizing our, our memory verses. We should be getting together. It's a part of the character of Jesus. Now, I don't have any proof. I'm using a little speculation here, but I bet... I bet the day that Satan took Jesus on top of that mountain and said to worship me was not the Sabbath day. I almost bet you it was the day of the sun. Sunday. Can't prove it. But Jesus sticks to his guns by stating Scripture to worship and to serve only God. By what authority does Satan claim to worship on his day, the first day of the week? Do you know that here, here's what he claims? Take a look at Matthew 15. Matthew 15. In verse 9. Matthew 15 in verse 9. Jesus is speaking. It says, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They use man-made doctrines as their authority. It's in defiance of God's authority. Now, Adam and Eve had a choice to make in that Garden of Eden of who they would believe. They chose in that Garden of Eden the lies of Satan. But what about you today? The majority of the Christian world worships on a man-made tradition that does not have nothing to do with the authority of God because you can go through Genesis clear through to Revelation and there is no other day that God says that he has blessed and sanctified and made it for holy use. It's only the Sabbath day. But the majority of the Christian world worships on a man-made tradition. The world wanders after this, this church of Satan. The world worships the beast. 
The world knowingly or unknowingly rejects the authority of the Creator and the, and the Redeemer. The temptation is when you lose your house or your job will be to diminish God's authority, to take a job on the Sabbath, to make up excuses that you have to feed the family. God will understand and, and then step out of the character of Christ himself because he followed the Sabbath day. And once you start in that direction, you will be heading down the wide road that Jesus says is to destruction. The Sabbath and its observance is really all about a surrender of relationship to the love of Jesus Christ and that He I'm going to trust because He is my Creator and He is my Redeemer. God's people will recognize that in the beginning, Jesus, who created the heavens and the earth, also created the Sabbath. At Mount Sinai, Jesus commanded and wrote on stone that we keep the Sabbath day and to remember it. In his own life here on this earth, Jesus worshipped on the Sabbath day. And at his death, Jesus observed the Sabbath by resting in his grave until Sunday morning when he was raised from the dead. In his church, after Jesus went up into heaven, Jesus continued the observance of the Sabbath through his disciples. And then in the last days before Jesus comes, he says that his last day people will keep the Sabbath as a sign of his authority as Creator and Redeemer. Brothers and sisters, Choose you this day whom you will serve, but please don't forget the Sabbath. Hymn number 388. stand as we sing together.
Father, for giving us the blessed Sabbath day to be focusing our attention upon not only our Creator, but our Redeemer. For without you, we can do absolutely nothing. You are our hope when the devil dishes everything out. You are the one that will supply our needs, even in the greatest time when we're losing jobs and homes. You will see us through, clear through to the end, and we will live with you throughout all eternity, not by our power or by our might, but by the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.